Hello and welcome to the NHRA Insider Podcast with Brian Loans. A huge explosion of fire for John Forrest. The car exploded going through the lights and this is as bad a fire. On this episode, it's Sonoma Pro Stock Motorcycle winner Joey Gladstone and Funny Car star and points leader Robert Hyde. It's going to be Tim Wilkerson. Wilkerson goes 391-2. We're talking Sonoma success and the potential for Seattle and what funny cars can do. Perfect reaction time for Dallas Glenn. Triple zeros across the top of the time slip. And at the finish line stripe, it's Dallas Glenn. This is the NHRA Insider. It's Bruce Pentagon, 395.8, 324 miles an hour. A margin of victory of 26 ten thousandths of a second. Hey everybody, Brian Loan's back again with another episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. And unlike last week, I have guests this week, and it's going to be a great show. Um, as we look back over Sonoma, the NHRA Denso Sonoma Nationals, which were, um, uh, you know, in my opinion, at least personally anyway, probably a top five race of any genre of drag racing I've ever seen. It was a truly incredible weekend. I hope you either got to see it in person or that you tuned in to watch on FS1 uh, and Fox on Sunday because what you got was a knockdown, drag out, old school just strength contest it was not a lot of subtlety in this race and and i think that's one of the things that it that has endeared me to it as i look back over it and think about it in that um obviously the crushing performance of Brittany force the 337 and nearly 338 mile an hour run she made in the dragster uh salinas's car was on was on kill pretty much all weekend long and frankly uh you know he made it to the final round and gave uh, Brittany a game fight, but but Brittany was just in a car that was seemingly untouchable uh, performance-wise over the course of the weekend. We look at how things shook out in categories like pro stock. We watched Eric and, and Greg race each other in a final round, which is always a lean forward in your chair and, and see who's going to get the get the better of the other out there. And of course, it was Erica winning on a whole shot, getting her first uh, countdown win in 10 years, which is astonishing to think about. As much as she has won, and as many places as she has won, the Western Swing has not been her friend. And so now that she has uh, accomplished this at Sonoma, we'll see what she has in the tank at Seattle, where incidentally, uh, she got that only countdown win before winning Sonoma, and she did it in 2012. So it's the 10-year anniversary of that particular victory. Pro Stock Motorcycle, uh, we have Joey Gladstone coming on the show here this weekend, uh, rather this week, and... Um, you know, is there a better story from this race than Joey Gladstone? Third straight final, finally gets the job done. Um, I, I really have a million questions for him, so it's going to be fun to, to talk to Joey and and really kind of see how it's soaked in because he's still hauling his stuff back east uh, from that very long trip all the way from, from uh, Sonoma, California, but as far west as you can possibly go. And then we have Funny Car. When Robert Hyde was in the same boat uh, in a lot of ways as Joey Gladstone, making three straight final rounds, and in this case, uh, having to defeat his who, a guy who has kind of become his arch nemesis, that's Robert Hyde, who we're going to have on the show today. Uh, he had to take on Hyde in the semifinals instead of what he had to do the previous two races, which was to race him in the final round. And he got the better of him in the semis and then handled his business, uh, beating the second half of the John Force Racing team in the form of John Force in the final. So, you know, when we look at Sonoma, we look back at Sonoma, I think the one thing I'm going to take away from it is that um, maybe a little bit of a preview of the fall. And really by that, I mean that when we arrive at our our cool weather races, our traditionally fast races in the fall, and I'm talking about the Charlottes, Maple Grove, St. Louis to a degree, 
and Dallas, that grouping of races, which which happened, um, you know, Maple Grove, Charlotte, and St. Louis get run three weeks in a row back to back to back, and those are the three first races of the countdown. Uh, and then Dallas is week off, and then Dallas, and we go Vegas, Pomona. Um, you know, I, we almost got a picture of what we could potentially see uh, performance-wise and certainly who's able to boat best handle their business in a in a situation where traction is not an issue and where horsepower is, is effectively coming for free. And so that's why I, that's why I kind of and I encapsulate that race as an anomaly because when we go to Seattle this weekend, it will not be the same. Uh, it'll be a vastly different approach by all of these crew chiefs. I'm not going to say a Denver-esque uh, approach, but it's going to be more Denver approach than it will be Sonoma approach. And I say that because temperatures will be in the 90s uh, early in the weekend, and it'll be a beautiful day on Sunday in the mid to low 80s. But still, we are looking at a little bit more elevation, and we're looking at uh, a racetrack that will be much hotter uh, in my estimation, than the one that we were on last weekend. And, and traditionally, and this is not a knock on the racetrack, traditionally Seattle becomes a very tricky place to navigate when the temperatures come come up as as they likely will. I don't think it's going to be out of the, the realm of reason to expect a track temperature uh, on Friday and Saturday hovering in that 120, 130 degree range, which everywhere gets a little bit dicey to try to get down at that point. So it is our first return to Seattle since the 2019 Northwest Nationals. Um, this 2022 Flavor Pack Northwest Nationals will be great. Uh, I think, you know, we're seeing some of that pinch uh, as far as uh, diesel prices and parts at this point. There have there are racers who have uh, um, opted, if you will, not to tow the 800 miles north from Sonoma to race Seattle. That's most... Uh, most obvious in the funny car category, we got a full field of top fuel cars. Uh, looking at a full field of pro stock cars and funny car, we're going to be short a couple. And not blaming anybody. There's a lot of people making strategic decisions out there. Chad Green being one of those guys who looked at the Western Swing. He ran Denver, and then he opted to take Sonoma and Seattle off. And he did that because he was going to have to take two off somewhere um, from his parts inventories and, and kind of what his projections are. And so it was either going to be those two races or it was going to be Topeka and Brainerd. And Chad Green does want to make the top 10, and he has to race his way in, and uh, meaning he wants to run in the countdown, and he will run all the countdown races. But since he has not run all the regular season races, and he currently sits 10th in the points, um, he will likely and, and honestly will be passed by Jim Campbell uh, for that 10th spot at Seattle which means over the course of Topeka and Brainerd and the U.S. Nationals, he's going to have to race his way into that top 10. And it is a stated goal, and you know he's making the decisions that are best for his race team and his wallet and everything else, so I'm not, I'm not blaming him for any of this. But, yeah, he'll be, he'll be in a bit of a pressure situation over those three races. Less so for Campbell because he has won, run every race and he has attended every qualifying session, uh, which means that uh, by right of participation, he will be part of the countdown. But Chad Green wants to be, wants to be in that top 10 and, uh, he'll have to do it the old-fashioned way by racing himself in. There's a million different storylines, as I've kind of intimated here. And when we look at the points in Top Fuel, we know that uh, Brittany Forrest and Mike Salinas have really separated themselves from the pack. That being said, from about the fifth position to tenth, it's a pretty decent grouping. There's plenty of opportunity in that five to ten window for people to make a move. And... Really, Josh Hart is racing to maintain fifth. And and we look at one, two, three, and four, which are 
at this moment, Brittany, Salinas, Ashley, and Torrance. And then we go to five, and there's a big gulf between four and five. So to the best of, of my professional opinion, with the amount of racing we have left, now Indy being points and a half is a bit of a is a bit of a curveball. But with the amount of available rounds we have, with the trends that we've seen these other cars have, it would seem that Josh Hart is going to be fighting for that number five spot. And unless Steve Torrance really runs into problems, unless Justin Ashley really runs into problems, it would seem to me the top four positions are nearly locked at this point. That said, anything can happen, and certainly we have seen anything happen out there. Some early round exits for uh, Steve Torrance and some late round finishes for for Josh Hart will close those gaps pretty rapidly, but logic says that's kind of where they're at. Pro Stock Motorcycle is by far the most wide open category between Angel, Steve Johnson, now Joey Gladstone, Matt Smith. Um, the points in Pro Stock Motorcycle are are the most entertaining uh, at the top because, well, at this moment, um, we know that Angel is leading the points. Uh, it is a very small lead. We don't see those motorcycles back again. Um, until Topeka. So there will be no motorcycles in Seattle. They do not race in Brainerd. So they have Topeka and Indy to lock in their spots for the countdown. Um, Pro Stock Car, we know that Erica is uh, a runaway freight train in the category, and she is uh, far and away the the, the leader of points um, by just a stupendous margin at this point. She's going to surpass 1,000 points at this race. She has 976. Stanfield second with 896, and then it goes all the way back to 669 for Koretsky in third. So, um, again, the the concentrated movement there is between four and seven. Anderson, Glenn, McGahey, Hartford are all kind of in a bundle that um, the points positions could be swapping around. Kimmy Crusoe's fading a bit. Uh, you know, she's had some early round exits after some, you know, made the final in Houston and had some late round races. It's been a bit of a trend of early round exits the last couple of races for Car- <clears throat> Caruso. She's made it right now to eighth and then in funny car robert height is 1133 points hagan second at 989 now funny car is fairly interesting as well meaning that ron caps is only three rounds behind hagan for the number two spot we look back and see john force who's a couple of rounds behind caps for the number three spot there's a pretty good gap between force and tasca tasca being fifth and then it really drops off quickly after that so one through four in Funny Car, fairly entertaining, or I should say two through four, because Robert really is way out. We're going to talk to him about that in a few minutes when we have him here on the show. But our first guest this week will be the winner of Pro Stock Motorcycle at the NHRA Denso Sonoma Nationals, picking up his first NHRA National Event win in whole shot fashion over Eddie Krawick. It is Mr. Joey Gladstone. Joey, how you doing today? Hey, Brian, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. I don't, I don't think I'm doing as good as you are, but I'm doing pretty well. Um <laughs> So man, this is something else to watch, and, and it's been a long time coming. I want to. The first thing I want to ask you is, what was the mentality, or kind of what was your mental state in this final round versus, say, the first final round you ever made a year or so ago? How much different is it to, to be in a few of these and not get there, and kind of kind of get your head around it? Um, honestly, I, I think I was a little more relaxed. Um, you know, at at a certain point, you know, I, I kind of just got to trust that. If it's meant to be, it's it's going to be. You know, if it's if it's meant to happen, it's going to happen. Um, you know, I know I can beat these guys because I've beaten some of them before. And, yeah. Um, you know, I've. It's uh, so if it's the right place and the right time, then it's going to be, you know, my turn. You know. 
Yeah, listen, it's never been a confidence issue for you. That's 100% sure. I mean, you, some of these things, uh, the first final, I remember you being in against Savoie, you, you rode a great race to get yourself there, but he had a better bike. And then, of course, the, we had the Charlotte final, which, you know, still will stand for me forever as one of the most gutting things I've ever watched in my life. That was just, that was, this has got to be good to kind of exercise at least that demon. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was, um, that's kind of been the hardest thing that, 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 to, to marinate on was knowing that I can do it because I was doing it. Yeah. And then, yeah. Um, and then <laughs> yeah. ends up the bike shuts off. So I lose. <laughs> and that's like, oh, man, that was, um, that was the hardest thing to sit with because you don't get the opportunity to not only do you not only not get the opportunity very often to compete in a final, but to actually be winning a final, that's, that's pretty rare. And to win one's even more rare, obviously. But, um, but yeah, that was, that was the hardest thing for me to get over. And I'm glad that that monkey's off my back now, you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, one of the things I said to Tony, uh, on the air as, as we were talking about your victory was like, we've really watched you as a rider in this particular form of, of motorcycle drag racing, we've watched you mature. It's been a really interesting process to see where you started seasons ago and now on a three-week stretch, literally in three final rounds in a row. And when you look at this, when you look at this timeline, when you look at yourself on these motorcycles, what is the what is maybe the biggest thing that's led you to this point? I mean, obviously, it's a great team. Obviously, it's great people. But what inside you has changed over the course of these few years? Ah, what inside me? I don't know. I think it's been such it's been such a subtle change. Um, actually, I don't know. It's it's. I, I think it's mo- mostly the way that I've been attacking race day and it's and attacking the weekend and um, you know um, small calcul small small decisions. Um, you know I'll get something that I know is going to be you know a combo that I know is competitive, like you know a, a tune up, and I'll make smaller changes rather than swinging for it. Yep. And uh, Kind of, and I've I've also learned to trust myself more as far as um, how I feel on the motorcycle and what I what I, what I think it needs. Um, you know, rider feedback's really important, and uh, you know, over, overthinking it and uh, overthinking the data is uh, can be an issue. So sometimes you just got to go with your gut and, uh, and and go by by what you feel the bike can take and. Um, and then, and then as far as that, um, that's meaning like power delivery, yeah, absolutely. But then like, um, you know, then obviously the data is, is extremely important, um, for, you know, the tune up down track and everything like that. But you gotta be able to feel, you, you know, you gotta be able to feel if it needs more or less timing or more or less clutch, more or less launch RPM, things like that. And that's been the biggest, you know, my, my biggest maturing factor is just trusting myself enough to make those changes. And when you look at yourself and and kind of weigh yourself against the competition, I mean, again, when you when you were coming in and it was just a great thing to win around, and now it's like now the expectation is I'm going to show up and be able to compete on Sunday. Do you see yourself differently against your peers now? I mean, I'm sure when you were first walked in here and and you were racing Angel and you're racing Eddie, you're racing Andrew, the 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 Joey Gladstone on that motorcycle is probably not the same guy that's the Joey Gladstone on the motorcycle today. Yeah, it's it's a little. I, I, I still see them as you know the, the same people, but I, I I you know there's a lot less fear in my heart. Um, you know, yeah. uh, it's easy it's easy to come out there and say I fear nobody. I'm right. gonna take out the best. <laughs> but it's just, that's that's uh, you know the 
when you're going up against, you know, four or five time champs with, you know, 40, 50 wins, you know, that stuff's in the back of your mind, especially when you're, when you're a rookie and, uh, when you do get them, it feels like it, it kind of feels like you just won, won a, a, a big race, you know, but no, I, uh, I, I do, uh, have more confidence now against people like, um, like, you know, these, these multi-time yeah. champions and stuff. I know I can, and, uh, and ho- hopefully that they're, uh, opinion of me has changed too and they uh they take me they don't take me lightly so um that's what it's all about though it's about going out there and and earning respect from from these guys and and uh making them sweat and um you know eventually becoming one of those names that's the ultimate goal right no absolutely and look i i think i think my my fascination this year now from this point forward is going to be watching how people race you differently and I think we've already started to see it a little bit because once you it's one thing to make a final round you make three in a row people start to it doesn't matter it's human nature and, and everybody can sit there and say well I don't race I just race the racetrack I don't race the person in the other lane and to me that's a, it's bullshit I mean it's a great thing to say <laughs> and it's it's a great thing to say and it's a whatever but it, this is a this is a sport of human beings competing against each other and, and that's the bottom line so I think it's going to be fun to watch how people, you know, kind of kind of attack you a little bit differently here this for the rest of this season. And I don't know if there's a better time to pick up a victory with a for a guy with championship aspirations than at this point in the year. I mean, it'd be great to win the Gator Nationals, but if you don't do anything after that, it's different. Now, this time of the year is where you really need to warm up. Yeah, I, I'd love to. I'd really love to keep the momentum going. Um, you know, I, I, we just gotta, honestly, we just can't, we can't change our strategy. Our, our, our strategy seems to be working right now. It's like, you know, it's, I, I don't know. It's like, we're not, not going to like move away from this fishing spot. I'm yeah. catching a lot of fish. So <laughs> <laughs> this is, uh, I, but I'm also not going to take it for granted. This shit, these, these streaks can come and go. And, uh, you know, so, and, uh, you know, everybody's, everybody goes hot to cold, but I don't know. Hopefully I can just kind of stay warm and, and, uh, you know, see this on through to the end of the year because if if you keep going to finals, you know, I mean, shit, Eddie Craig won a yep. won a championship without winning a race. Yeah. So if we can if we can do semis, finals, and and, and wins for the rest of the year, man, it's um that's that's there's nothing more I can ask for. How many uh, how many of your your friends in the in the no bar or the no wheelie bar world and and kind of other forms of motorcycle drag racing hit you up after this? I'm, I gotta believe your phone just melted down. Yeah, and you you were you're spot on when you said that it was, it was melting. It was getting hot. It um, <laughs> it was it was really it was really overwhelming to uh to you know get all that all the love. I couldn't um shit. I couldn't. I, I'd have to like you know put my phone down because it kept dinging and dinging and dinging and uh <laughs> and I, it's really it's it's it kind of sucks because I'm uh, I'm on this four day journey home where all I'm doing is I, I wake up like you called me literally right before I was about to start my motorhome. I'm glad you did. Because this thing is like it's like driving a bread truck down the road, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I I'm not, I haven't been able to. I got 160 text messages that I still need to answer, and I by the time I'm done driving, you know, I go crawl into bed and then I wake back up and then drive another 12 hours, and um, but uh, I'm gonna get back to everybody as soon as I can. You know, it's, the, it's, um, go for it. The love, the love that 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 we received is you know. From Corey, for myself and for Corey, I know Corey's phone's been blowing up too. It's it's been unreal. It's been unreal. I I, I love it. I um I appreciate it, and uh, I don't take it for granted. 
and look, and and that says something. It says something special about you, and it says something special about Corey, and it says something special about what you guys are have worked on and accomplished here. Because that's not the response everybody gets. Sure, everybody gets everybody gets a little bit of hey, the congratulations, this, that, and the other thing. But the outpouring that you've received and the way the crowd reacted when you won. I know you probably couldn't hear him down there, but the place went ape, man. And it's like. Yeah, man, I kind of made the joke that there were basically two people rooting against you in this place, and it was Eddie Krawick and his wife, and I don't blame either of them, but I think it seemed like there was seemed like there was a lot of people. Um, it seemed like there was you were carrying a lot of people with you on that motorcycle, and I'm sure from the, the various other places you've raced, I think a lot of people are probably riding with you and, and enjoying this success as much as you are. Absolutely, and I and um, I, I can I know Eddie Eddie wanted to win. I could tell by the fast that he made and sure. and um, and everything. Um, and I, I I wouldn't want it any other way. But I honestly, genuinely believe that Eddie Eddie was happy for me too. I mean, Eddie and I go go way back. It was it was a really fitting um, final to, to race to get my to race Eddie like that. Um, Eddie. Some people might not know this, but um, Eddie, Eddie and I go way back. I was sponsored by Vance and Hines in the Pro Street days, and um, Eddie, it was just Eddie and Andrew racing back then for Vance and Hines. And Eddie actually, he he would deal with all the Vance and Hines customers that you know on the Suzuki programs, and he actually was the one that stuck his neck out for me, and he vouched for me for um, to get on Joe Riccardi's bike for those four races for the for you know for the part time schedule when I got out. And yeah. That, and that got me, um, you know, that got me out there and uh, got, you know, got the needle in Joe Riccardi's arm to to want to go full time. And that's so Eddie is a is a is a huge reason of why I'm out here. And uh, and we we had a, we talked about it after the after the race, and I kind of got him choked up a little bit. So I could tell he cares, and um, and I I owe a lot of this to him. So it was really it's really fitting. And uh, shout out to Ed. Yeah. Hey, listen, the guy's a class act, top to bottom, and I and he in one of the things I love about Eddie, he's still a smart ass, and he still can and he can run his job with the best of them. But at the end of the day, he's a he's a class act, he's a hardcore racer, and and I I guarantee you're correct. I guarantee there was a obviously a level of disappointment for not winning the race, but to see you do it and to kind of be the guy in the other lane when it happened, I think does has to mean a, a lot to him as well, especially knowing that backstory now. That's wild. Yeah, yeah, it's um pretty cool it comes full circle sometimes you know so well i want to talk a little bit about the relationship you have with Corey reed which is which is such a unique one in the sport like you, you guys always talk about the fact that it's it's brotherly uh it is brotherly i mean it goes a lot deeper than just being teammates or even just friends and not that the relationship needed to be improved at all or changed in any way but this has to even take it maybe to the next level of course it um We've been working. We've been working hard together for uh, for for years now. I mean, shoot, shoot, it's probably been four or five years that we've been hanging out, and then you know, probably three years, three three to four years full time, full bore. We we built our own shop together. We have our own machine shop together. We we live a couple miles apart. We ha- it's been that way for three four years now, as far as the, the living situation, and um, and yeah, it's the the his his family is kind of taking me in and and um you know treat they treat me like like part of the family I mean, we were just we've been on the road since bristol together um you know i've had my motor home he's been staying in the in the living quarters of the race hauler and we've been on the road since bristol since before bristol and went to norwalk and then norwalk we went to their family reunion um you know annie's family reunion in montana for a week 
and uh, and you know hung out with his family for a week, and then went back to Corey's parents' house in Grand Junction, then to Denver, then to here. So, you know, you, you can't you can't do that with yeah. with people that you don't enjoy being around. And and I I, I really really enjoy the the you know the life that I have with 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 Corey and you know his wife and and you know my wife. We make it you know we make a good team. It's I wouldn't have it any other way, man. I'm I'm very very blessed. I love it. No, it's it's that's huge, and I guess that brings me to the last thing I want to talk to you about, which is um, that support system is going to be. I would that that support system is going to be essential to you for the rest of the year because um, you, no one makes three final rounds and wins the third one on a fluke. And so when we look at the rest of the schedule, obviously the bikes uh, the bikes are going to see again. You know, like everybody, the countdown locks up at Indy for everybody, and at that point forward. Um, the intensity really does change, and and the position you're in now is different than one you've ever been in in your career. And I think that support system is going to be important because it may get a little heavy, man. Those those last six races, especially if you're in the in the contention, it may get a little heavy. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, the intensity's up, and and um, my 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 wife is fantastic, and she makes this so so enjoyable. Um, you know, when you got when you got problems at home, it makes racing almost impossible um you know some successful racing almost impossible because you got you got the wrong things on your mind you don't you know you're not concentrating on the task at hand and my wife is is so supportive so lenient um you know she she knows she, she knows that i you know that I, I can't talk too much during the day while i'm racing and that's what makes it so nice when she's here yeah but um but yeah you you, you have to have that support system like you said and um and you know it's really Racing with the Whiteleys and with Corey, it's kind of it's stress free. You know, if I go out there and, and make a mistake first round, it's not a big deal. You know, they're they're trying to cheer me up. I, you know, I'm beating myself up more than, than I'm getting beat up. And uh, to have that really makes it, it it makes it easier to race on Sunday. You know. Yeah, no, it has to. It has to. It's it's uh, it's, it's a team supportive environment, and that uh, that is ultimately how people succeed out here and and make their way. So, man, listen, uh, congratulations, sincerely from uh, from a whole lot of people. It's it was an amazing thing to watch finally come to fruition. You fought your way to it, and uh, you gritted your way to it, and and you certainly earned it. And be safe driving uh, driving home, man. Damn, that's a ride. Oh well, and Brian, thank you for 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 what you do. Uh, you know you're. You're announcing, you know, in that in that video of, of me winning will forever be a part of my life. So I, I really appreciate, it. and I wouldn't want have it any other way besides you know besides you doing it. So that's that's great. It's it, it means a lot to me, buddy. And uh, thank you for having me on your show. And uh, thank you everybody for the congratulations and the support. I love you guys, and I hope to keep this this train rolling. You're the dude, dude. Be safe. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Brian. So after a great conversation with Joey Gladstone, we transition into the Nitro Funny Car category to talk to a guy who is leading the points now by the widest margin he's had all year, Robert Height, driver of the Auto Club Chevrolet Camaro. How you doing, Robert? Good, Brian. Thanks for having me. So I'm glad you uh, were able to take a few minutes out of your travels, uh, making your way from Sonoma up to Seattle. And while you didn't finish the job in Sonoma, it has been a really nice uh, stretch of races for the Auto Club team. So I want to talk a little bit about the head of steam that you guys still really continue to carry as you head to Seattle. Yeah, definitely. So uh, this is probably the best car I've ever had, you know. Uh, but unfortunately, a lot of the other cars are starting to step up. And the way the countdown works, you know, you can dominate the first half if you don't do something in the second half. So uh, we have our work cut out for us. Uh, 
we have a lot of we have a lot of things that you know once the western swings over we're going to do some testing we have a, a norwalk match race and we have some things that maybe will make us even a little better so i'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that you know and that's a valuable opportunity uh, obviously it's more work for your team to go out there and run the night under fire but i feel like that race being involved in that you're going to be on a very well prepped racetrack it's going to be you know warm in the middle of the summer it is a great opportunity not only to entertain a lot of fans but also to grab some data yeah, exactly. We've, we've always in the past have used it as a, as a test session. You know, all we really have to do is go in and make two runs, but you know, we've always tried to make the most of it and, you know, capitalize on another day of testing. And, you know, we've got some things that Jimmy's and Chris have been working on and, you know, we might even stay, you know, Monday in, in, in Brainerd, uh, you know, to do some more testing. So, we're uh, we're we're not sitting on our hands over here. We're working hard and know that we have our hands full, and there's going to be a lot of uh, good competition. And we really need to do the same, have a, a second half like we've had the first half. If, if we want to win a championship. Yeah, and, and listen, year over year, obviously, it's been a great turnaround. And, you know, it, when you're in the middle of a, a season like you had last year, which, listen, there are some guys that would saw their arm off to have two wins over the course of a year. Uh, let's not kid ourselves, but a, a two-win season is not the standard uh, you hold yourself to or anybody in your team holds, holds themselves to. But I have to imagine, in retrospect, a year like that does teach you some lessons, right? A year like that has to have some value looking back on it, especially in the midst of a year like you're having now. Without a doubt. You uh, you learn that, uh, you know, you don't take things for granted, okay? And you've, you've got to work hard. It's, uh, it, it's not a good feeling when you roll into Vegas at the end of the year, okay, and you have two races left and you're really not in contention for a championship. It's uh, it's not a good feeling. So we don't want to be a spoiler. We don't want to spoil somebody else, you know, winning a championship. We want we want to be contending, and we, like you say, a lot of lessons learned, and we're not we're not sitting on our hands. We're we're going to work hard, and we're going to go test, uh, and you know, continuously try to get better. And I think uh, if we do that, we're gonna we're gonna put ourselves in our in the best shot at winning a championship. No guarantees, a lot of good cars, and uh, some ways some ways you know I, I'm not bashing the point system because I wouldn't have won in '09 right. without um, a reset. But you know when you have a big lead like you do, uh, you know that it's just gone. Yeah, it's it's gonna go away, and you start the whole season over with six races. And, you know, anything can happen. First round loss, I always feel that a first round loss in the countdown, it takes two wins to make up for a first round loss. Yeah, that's legitimate. So, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, to win the championship, if the Auto Club Chevy wins the championship this year, it's going to be an all-time season for, for a team like us. You know, it's it could take, you know, six, eight wins, you know, at the end when it's all said and done to be the champ and that's that's impressive that just shows you how good a competition there is no it really does it really does and and you know just to, the, the point you made before about the you know the lessons you learn and and the, the ways that the you know, last season taught you stuff I think you know in the long term what what it does for a guy like me on the outside looking in 
it proves the strength in the relationships in that team, too. It proves the strength in the relationship between you and Jimmy Proc, Jimmy and Chris Cunningham, between the three of you. Because, obviously, in, in, in situations and in seasons like that, in any sport, you really kind of figure out if you're, if you're made, made to be together, right? Because it, get, it becomes real easy to start looking across the aisle going, well, this is the problem we got here, or this guy's the problem. And that really wasn't the case. This is a team that's, that's still as unified as it was, uh, as it has been in its best years and as it was in a struggling year. And that, again, has to be kind of a reinforcement to every one of you guys whenever, whenever you win races, which this year has been with great frequency, that, that this was meant to be. Exactly. You know, it's, it's never, it's never crossed my mind that we, we don't have what it takes to win. Um, put, putting everything that you have together to win yeah. is, is a big deal. And, uh, you know, even though last year didn't go well, okay, you have to try things, you have to test things, you have to, you know, you're, you're going to fail a lot when you're doing a lot of testing and trying to get better. But it, all that still teaches you, you know, where you need to be as far as a combination. So um, we, we tested way too much last year, tried things that didn't work. But maybe when you really look at it all, all that strengthened us and, and, and taught us what we need to be focusing on for a combination, you know, for consistency yeah. and speed and ET, uh, you know, sometimes you, you take a couple steps backwards before you have to go forward. Right. Yeah. And ultimately that's, that's, you know, champions in any sport. That's, that's something that if you look over their careers, you can see that you can see that pattern happen every once in a while where somebody has to not necessarily reinvent themselves, but they have to take stock and, and kind of bear down. And, and you guys did that and have come up with the, uh, <laughs> certainly come up with a solution. Um, and really that goes across the board at JFR. When we look at the season, John Forrest racing itself is having the success John's had, the success you've had. And listen, Brittany, uh, weekend last year, uh, last weekend in Sonoma was I mean, one of the most impressive things I think I've ever seen. I, I mean, it's that car would go out and just lap after lap, you resetting track speed records to run 337 miles an hour. So, uh, and and Austin's on the knocking on the door. I mean, those guys are clearly knocking on the door of success as well. So it's a, I think it's a pretty good time to be in your spot at JFR as well. Yeah, it is. It's a lot of fun. Um, you know, like you said, that was a dream weekend. All of us dream of having a weekend like Brittany had where you just dominate, um, makes it, makes it exciting. But I will definitely say, go on record here. This is the best four car team we've ever had at JFR and everybody, everybody shares in the wealth here. Uh, like you say, Austin's he, you know, he's a win waiting to happen. And it is a lot of fun right now, and the, the, all the teams are working so well together. It's uh, it's it's a good time. So, got to keep it up, stay focused, and uh, you know the second half is really what matters. You know. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about Seattle as we head there this weekend. Uh, it, it's going to be a much different, in my opinion, anyway, in a in a technical sense and an approach sense. I feel like this is going to be a much different race than Sonoma was because. Seattle's a great racetrack, but we've all been looking at the weather forecast, and it's going to be pretty warm during qualifying. Sunday's going to cool off into the 80s, but it would seem to me that this is going to fall under a more almost Denver-like strategic approach. What's your opinion on that? Oh, definitely is. Um, you know, the difference between Denver and Seattle, though, is is Denver has cooling in the racetrack. Yeah. And, you know, uh, yeah, it was it was brutally hot in Denver. But with that cooling on the in the in the racetrack, it made made it to where you the fans got to see a lot of good side by side racing and cars going down the track. 
Uh, Seattle is going to definitely be, you know, a track where you're going to have to finesse it with the clutch. It's, uh, you know, 405 may be a great run yeah. on Saturday. Yeah, okay? we were, me and some of my friends were kind of throwing numbers around, and I, and I, I absolutely said I believe this is going to be a 4-0 style race. It is. It is. And, you know, um, some of the, some cars are better th- at that than others. And, uh, you know, I just, I just hope we put on a great show for the fans because it's been three years yeah. since we've been to Seattle. And I have, I just have this feeling that with us being absent so long, the fans are really, you know, you know, hurting and missing nitro racing and they're going to, they're going to be out coming out, you know, in droves. So I'm excited for that. We want to put a good show on for them. I love the area. Love. I just, the Western swing is awesome to me. I like all these races. So, uh, I just hope, you know, we can, we can put a good show on for the fans and, uh, it's, it's definitely going to be the tuner that wins this, this race is going to earn their keep. (laughs) That's a fact. You know, if we look ahead a little bit to the NHRA uh, Power Brokers uh, U.S. Nationals, we have finally, it seems like it's been forever, but finally we're going to have our Pep Boys uh, call-out sh- call race there. And I'm really looking forward to it. I think I think a lot of you guys are too. And it's just going to be, it, it, to me, it really starts to return the U.S. Nationals. One, we're going to finish it on Monday, which is, you know, the way we've the, the way God intended it. And two, with these big payout specialty races, it really does kind of add that extra layer and with the call-out element, it's an even different scene than, than pretty much all of our fans have, have ever witnessed before. Yeah, it's exciting. You know, Indy, as many days as it is, uh, it can definitely have some ex- specialty races. And there's a lot of history with the Big Bud shootout, you know, throughout the years in Funny Car. And it, all the teams love it. It gives us a little something else to shoot for, you know, a little different payday. And the call-out, I love the format. And you just never know, you know, uh, you could be calling out a guy that's fifth. Okay. (laughs) In points just based on how they ran in qualifying in Indy. It's not, it's not how they're doing overall. You know, you might have a better shot at beating somebody that, you know, is, is trying to still get qualified going into the call out race. So that's kind of a moving target of, you know, who, who that could be. It's it's exciting. Um, I, you know, we're doing real good in it right now, but you know things can change in in three or four races. So, uh, really haven't paid attention if if you know if I was is the number one spot who I would call out. But you know, it's kind of a last minute thing where you're gonna just see see who did what on Friday night. Andy. Yeah, and you're gonna and you're gonna get to watch the nitro, the, the rather the uh, top fuel drivers finish theirs first. So you you may get a cautionary tale out of that one. If, if somebody if somebody chooses wrong, then uh, then maybe you can rejigger your strategy to to get the right car. You know, speaking of strategy, exactly. I'm interested in what John's demeanor was like on Sunday morning at Sonoma. He's qualified 15th. And obviously, he comes out swinging, makes his way all the way to the final, which is a very John Force like thing to do. But what was he like on Sunday morning? Uh, I didn't spend a lot of time around him Sunday morning. Uh, I had a lot of other things going on, but honestly, I, I was kind of keeping track of what they were doing over there during qualifying and they just kind of had some bad luck. Yeah. And there was no doubt in my mind that they were going to run well Sunday morning. It's just, they fixed a few of these little gremlins and, and dumb things that were happening. They were going to run well, but I also figured caps would be right there with him too. So, um, I honestly, that was definitely the marquee matchup, 
You know, oh, yeah. it, it, there was no doubt about it. And Sonoma wasn't a one lane racetrack. You can win from either lane and just knew that this, this was going to be fun to watch and, uh, it, see how it played out. But I, I had, I had faith that that car would, would be turned around Sunday morning. And listen, uh, clearly, uh, Medlin and, and Guido did as well because, uh, they, they, they didn't have that thing backed off at all. They knew that the, they knew that they were going to have to run and it ended up being a really signature moment of that event, uh, because it was such a great side by side. So it was, uh, that was a pretty fantastic, pretty fantastic way to open the day, especially if you were John. And, you know, it was funny. He got out of the car and did his top end interview and, and he was his normal energetic self, but there was a little, like a, this little edge in his voice. And I said to Tony, I said on the show, I said, when, when he speaks like that, it's, it, it's, it's like he's in a bit of a different place and he proved he was all day long. I mean, he, Obviously, the guy's done everything in the world twice in this sport, but he was really on top of things. And and listen, the Tasca car has been great over the last three races. He's uh, he's met you twice in in final rounds in a row. You you got him twice, and then he managed to get around you in the semis. But um, it's pretty neat. And and I guess one last question I have for you is, um, you know, keeping stock of the threats out there. When you look down that list of funny cars, you know, it it really was maybe two or three to start the season. And I think now there are legitimately four or five cars that you can look at and say, these guys may have a chance at it. No doubt about it. And I, I think there's there's more. Uh, you know, Denver Denver's a tough race and everybody, you know, you've got to have a right setup yeah. there. But you started seeing other cars shine, you know, in Sonoma. Uh, J.R. Todd, trust me, he will be there in the end. <laughs> Alexis DeJoria, she's there. And Listen, uh, that car... That car is amazing in the fact that they have the lowest average elapsed time of any car in the in the category on Sundays, and she doesn't ha- does not have as many runs as you have, obviously, because you've gone more rounds. But the one thing that car does is it does make the trip to the finish line, and and if I'm a crew chief, that's got to be something I have parked in the back of my head. Like I got to make it to the end of the racetrack, but also not give enough leash. So your point on Alexis is very well taken. Yeah, no, there's there's a lot of good cars, and uh, I think. I think it's only going to get better. It, it's all, a lot of it's going to depend on conditions sure. that we're in, but uh, you know, usually, you know, once you, once you leave Indy, conditions start changing. It starts cooling down, and I think there's going to be six or eight cars that are legitimately going to be in the hunt for the championship. Well, you will certainly be one of them, and it's going to be a very fun way for us to watch kind of the back half of this season develop. Safe travels on your way up to Seattle, man. Congratulations on the success to this point in the season, and uh, I know you're not done yet. You know you're not done yet, and we'll see if you can close up the deal with the Northwest Nationals. And you made the point about the fans being hungry for the action up there. I've, uh, you know, internally I've heard a couple little birds chirp at me and say that the, the sales of tickets are through the roof and the place is going to be just blown out. So it's going to be awesome. I'm excited. Uh can't wait and uh hopefully put a great show on for the fans and you know sunday it's going to cool down and be more normal so uh it's going to be fun thank you very much robert high driver of the auto club chevrolet we'll see you this weekend thanks brian and that is a wrap of this episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. Great to catch up with Joey Gladstone. Always great to talk to Robert Height, get a little insight, get a little uh, inside line and kind of the thought process between both of these guys. And, and Joey's got a little time off before the motorcycles return to action. Robert, of course, will be slugging it out in Seattle and then Topeka, Brainerd, and at the U.S. Nationals as part of the Pep Boys All-Star Callout. And, of course, that little class called Funny Car Eliminator. We have coverage this weekend on FS1 starting on 
Saturday at 2.30 Eastern. Then on Sunday, there is final qualifying coverage. And at 4 p.m. Eastern on Sunday, you'll flip on your local Fox affiliate, the big national channel, and you will watch our eliminations from the final race of the Western Swing. And while nobody can sweep the swing this year, Robert Height may, may be able to place himself into three final rounds, even if he didn't win all three of them. Greg Anderson may be able to salvage another final round and a victory. Erica could grab a second uh, victory on the Western Swing, effectively doubling her career win total on this, or tripling, rather, her career win total in this event or in this particular stretch of events. And there's all kinds of great stuff going on in Top Fuel as well. So, survey says you need to tune into FS1 and Fox this weekend and watch myself, Jamie Howe, as well as Bruno Massel and Tony Pedragon. Bring, actually, no, Bruno's off this weekend. So it's going to be me, Tony, and Jamie bringing you the action on Sunday, and it's going to be a whole lot of fun. You can also grab your tickets out there and make sure you get become part of the NHRA Flavor Pack Northwest Nationals. And if you can't make it to the racetrack, Fox is going to be your friend. Thanks for listening. I'm Brian Loans. We'll be back next week to wrap the Western Swing, wrap, wrap Seattle, and look forward to Topeka, Kansas, and an off weekend of NHRA action. <laughs>